Hey, what's happening, folks? This is your boy Adam Morales here with the X Town Podcast, along with your boy Austin Torres. We're here to bring you the best coverage that there is on the New York Yankees and the New York Mets. That's right, and what a week of baseball it's been for the Mets. And what do you, what about you, Adam? For the Mets, of course, but the Yankees, they didn't, they didn't play much this year. So, I mean, this past week. So, <laughs> a lot of rain, right? A lot of rain. Yeah. But we already got three rainouts this year. Oof. Two of them last week. And I think two of them are in double headers, too. Two du- I think you've had two no, double one headers. Of them, one of them one? was a double header. One was double Sunday. header postponed. Yesterday. Right. Right. Well, yeah. I know you already have two lined up later in the summer. So you'll have some rough weeks in June or July. That's coming. what I'm talking We need those days off over there. Yeah. The dog days of summer. Right, right. But, uh, but let's, let's get into the Mets. They got a things, lot of action. All things are good as good in Queens. The health is wealth every week. That is the motto for the season. And uh, before I get into the week, we do have to touch on some of the injury updates because we do have some big ones here in the Mets. Right now we have a deficit at the catcher's position where we saw Ploiecki and Darno go down in the same week. Darno for the whole season Torn elbow ligament is resorting in Tommy John surgery. That's becoming a lot more prevalent in position players now. I, uh, I'm what not do you think? Ch- I don't know. I, a, a conversation I, don't know I had with another baseball player, I we thought that it could be to the not only the wear and tear on the arms from an earlier age happening in these younger players, but attributing it also to maybe, and at least in Travis Darno's situation, I'm have to think some of it is improper throwing mechanics. You know, Travis Darno has had a lot of faulty, a lot of faulty uh, problems behind home plate with his throwing. He, you know, he uh, flouts open. He doesn't, he doesn't really stay close. And so, a lot of people have are open to whether or not it's just whether or not it's wear and tear or throwing mechanics in some of these players. Um, I haven't seen Darno enough to uh, really comment on his throwing mechanics. But when it comes but to Tommy fl- John in position players. But if he's flying open, it, that would be more of a shoulder issue in, in my own personal experience. That's what hurts most when I fly open. But um, Tommy John, I know the Yankees' Glaber Torres got it because he slid headfirst in the home plate. And it's usually off of things like that. But I don't know. I guess it's just an injury to his elbow, and he just so happens to need Tommy John to correct it. I don't, how did I, he even I, hurt it? Did, I, was it on a throw? It it was it was after it was in the course of a game. It wasn't through a uh, at any point. He was in the dugout and discomfort was shown, and I don't think it was right after a throw. I think it might have been after a swing actually. But I know he was not he was not able to return in a game. But at the same at the same point, it was also it's, he's not the only Met right now who's been cut out to Tommy John, because T.J. Rivera, a Met that we saw have right. a, a, a season last year. You know he's a. Uh, Role player at the positions of third, second. You know he he's also out for this whole season with Tommy, with Tommy John. John yeah. So it's just I you and know he don't throw much. Doesn't like, he play a lot that, of first and second. So. No, he also played third. Yeah, but he plays a lot of the right side of the yes, infield he mostly. So he that's does the least amount of but throwing. Last year with the Mets injuries, I think they had to put him at third more than you would be accustomed to T.J. Rivera seeing because he did play more third base than ah. than. Uh, second, but he did play a lot of first. Right, Remember, he did alternate from the corner. Who's his face? Duda left at the end. Duda That's got why. traded. Yeah, yeah, he was traded to the the Rays. But besides that, we had a good week, and 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 all the good that is good. We we're off. We had in the middle of the week come off to a franchise best start. You know, we we were ten and one. We were riding. What, 
eight game winning streak going. Uh, I oh, believe nine. it was nine. Yeah, nine, nine going, nine going into Wednesday. No, going into Friday's game. The Milwaukee game. loss. Yeah, mm-hmm, going into Friday's game against the Brewers. And almost Saturdays. won that game too. Saturdays, right? yeah, Saturdays, and that was a close loss. And a lot of the big wins that I saw last week, and the wins that I call big, are because they are come from behind wins. And as Met fans, you know, we haven't seen a lot of late game offense, one run games too. A lot of them. A lot of them. That's right. Familia's has seven to eight saves to start this season right now, and he's he's definitely a league leader. We have a a, a franchise, a league, an NL best twelve and two record right now. But going into last week, we saw that a lot of our starting pitching is healthy. And when they are healthy, they are as dominant as the league was prepared to see them last year. But a lot of those injuries prevented that. And But we saw Noah Syndergaard gave us two dominant starts last week. His first start, he wouldn't consider his best in the week. He, uh, he struggled in his start, but he was able to, you know, he get he got the win. And Hanzo Robles came in the seventh inning and got himself in and out of jams. He's another player out of the bullpen that it was a big factor to see him do well. And in two games, he has two wins. And two games last week that he came in, he was able to produce. And one of them, he got the win. But he has two wins on the season. And Robles is coming now. And, you know, every now and then he, he walks players. He gets himself into trouble. But to start the season off, he's been able to get out of it. And the same could be said for Familia in certain, some of his occasions. He He's had to pitch a lot with these eight saves, seven saves. Right. But he, he get himself into trouble. But he's producing and getting the saves at the end of the day. So I'm definitely pleased to, with what I'm seeing from both ends of our pitching staff, both at the front end with the f- starters, seeing all five starters healthy and a big start coming late in the week from Zach. And then to continue on with good bullpen use and productive outings from all of our relief pitchers. Um, You brought up Familia. He's, he has been used a lot. You are correct. Racking up saves left and right. But um, um, I, I was watching a Mets game. I forget which game. It was early in the season. I think it was the opening series. I think they opened up against the Phillies. It, it, it was that series, I think. Okay. But, yeah, they um, against yeah, it was way back then. But uh, I remember the announcer saying something about Mickey Calloway trying to do away with Familia's um, slide step or quick pitch because he has a tendency to do that a lot. Yeah, he's taking his time a lot more on the mound. Is he? This yes. season? Yeah, he's not... He definitely gets into a, a tendency to rush himself, and he's not completely out of it. In some of his outings last week where we saw him get into situations, uh, one no, one notable with was the the first a week ago today, uh, the 4-2 win against the Marlins. In, in, his last, in his last outing in the ninth, he walked two players, they, and a wild pitch got them to both second and third. Mm-hmm. And second and third, and what was a 4-2 win. So these are, these are the tying runs in the bottom of the ninth. Right. And he ends up striking out the side. And I, I was able to see him. He wants to play. Unfortunately, it's been a thing with Familia. But once those runners get into those scoring positions, he he does he takes an extra breath and calms down. And he's not as worried. And he's so much more focused on the hitter that he is. That's when he gets a lot more of those Ks is actually when he puts those runners on and gets himself into these pressure-type situations. Right. I mean, I feel you, dude. In the Bronx, it's the same way with Chapman. Not necessarily... Um, that he's trying to hurry or rush himself, but in a sense that when no one's on base or when it's not a safe situation, he's trying to throw like his fastball through a brick wall. Yeah, the but, stuff is so dominant. 
and you know he can he can throw 106 we've all seen it obviously but like he gets by with 98 he, he like he tones it down to like 98 99 which is him holding it back yes and uh Same with, thing with guys Nova. on base so he definitely i don't know they 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 like that houdini act they like to get in and out of jams some athletes have to self create the pressure you know, in order to in order to dial in, in order to step their game up, they need to feel that pressure on themselves. You know, sometimes players trash talk to get themselves into things, but maybe the relief pitchers need to feel the adrenaline of the moment. They need to feel like the game is on them. I guess to but, pitch their best. But as a Yankee fan, having lived through Mo, I feel like Mo's priority, like he didn't need adrenaline. He just wanted to sit back down. I think that's what it was. I think he just wanted to sit back down as fast as he could and go home. Because he, he made quick work of guys the, in the ninth. But. Right. The stuff was good for Mo, but I don't know if you can compare it to the same the same raw stuff that we're looking at oh, in no, Chapman. No, no, no. And, and, and familiar, too. Sinker, he has a 97-mile-an-hour yeah. sinker. Exactly. Familiar. And that's what we're saying with 105-plus on the fastball. You know, Mariano was definitely effective. And I mean, in his cutter, heyday, he could throw it up, uh, uh, dial it up to 98 with a cutter. Of course. That I, was like 2,000. A stud is a stud. But yeah. at the end of the day, he at, I think what you're referring to is more, you know, inside of the career. He's uh, relying on the cut fastball to just get these hitters out. Right. And, you know, I could definitely see both Familia and Chapman fitting into those roles when the fastball on the slider. I mean, the sinker die a little bit because, you know. Well, Chapman has a slider. Exactly. No, but I meant with Familia Sinker, yeah, yeah. when it dies a little bit and it's not throwing 97, it still can be effective enough with the split finger at 92, 93 to get, to get batters out. Right. To get batters out. And same with Chapman with his maybe upper 90s fastball and uh, 90 slider yeah. when, when his stuff starts. He to also has a very good changeup. He pulls it out once in a while, and it's like 88, and people just like lose their bats sometimes when he gets it good. Yeah. Speaking of the relief pitching that I know I was I'm very happy about in in New York because Robles gave us a good week. I saw a good week out of Familia and a lot of the other guys were, you know, spot spot uh relief pitchers throughout the course of a game. I saw Lugo get two innings pitched in a in a start. Giselman's and, doing good out the pen. Right, Giselman and Lugo both pitched in a 6-5 win over over Atlanta last week. The, I mean Atlanta, Miami. Mm-hmm. The last, the last win against Miami, when where um, Lugo came in the game, he had he had a rough two innings pitched. He uh he came in for Mats and he he got he got banged up a little bit. He let up a couple of runs and he was able to get out the inning. But in that same game, we also saw Jaselman because Mats only was able to go five. They both had to be used. Lugo for two innings. Maybe that's why we were able to see him get roughed up for about six hits and two earned off of one home run, but right. six hits over the course of two innings. But we also saw Jazelman over the course of a, a quarter of an inning get two two hit two hitters out, and that was what he was called upon to do. And we've seen a lot of that in the relief pitching on the Mets side, but I know that there's been a lot of stress about Batances over there in the Yankees, and I know his week wasn't that good over there. Well, the Yankees, they're still treading water as a team. Um, as I said in the last podcast, they came out of um, that week's coverage at 500, and we only played four games this past week. We finished two and two once again at 500. We're treading water. We're still in striking distance, but part of the reason that 
we're not better than we should be is our bullpen is not as awesome as it should be. And uh, that's due in large part to Betances. I mean, he's been hit or miss all season. He Sometimes he comes out, he looks like he's going to break out of it, and he's like got the nastiest curveball and 100-mile-an-hour stuff fastball. Stuff is on point. And he's locating, and it looks nice. I just, Other days, he uh, stuff's just flat, and he gives up two bombs. I, I know. don't know. And his la- I know in one game last week, he wasn't able to get out of an inning. I know he got roughed up pretty bad. Right. And it's just, I remember last week yeah, when you touched upon right. him, you sh- you stressed how he's supposed to be that guy if Chapman gets hurt that's supposed to fill into that role. And it's unfortunate that we've seen the now, Yankees are becoming a little reluctant to call upon him. You know, I now, see Boone's trying to reinstill that confidence, but he is, how long? But, I mean, it's the regular season. We can ride with him until we get to the playoffs, and hopefully he turns it around. You know what I'm saying? But, um... Robertson is now the backup closer, essentially. Um, yeah, Robertson he's been he's been all right all season, and um, I, I I would expect him to fill in. God forbid anything happens to Chapman, because right, he, well, he's Robertson's, got experience. Robertson's had the ability to 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 fill in at that at that um setup role when Batantis wasn't able to do it. And you also still have Chad Green who's able to stay and, produce. Yeah, Chad Green is a swing man. He can give us three innings and he can mm-hmm. close out ball games. He can come too. in long relief or, you know. Right. But um, I actually had a conversation with a, f- with, a, with a fan of ours, Austin Cordero. He's got your name also, but he's is a that, Yankee right? fan. And uh, he had a few things to say about Batantis' struggles. Austin from Brooklyn, New York, with Austin his Cordero. Uh, Austin Cordero, yeah, not Torres. We got to thank him for his input on Batantis, and I gotta say, I I agree with him, and uh, he knows his stuff. He knows his stuff for sure. That's right, and you know we're gonna have a lot more fan intake, so don't be hesitant to let us know what you guys think and give us your feedback on your opinions on Mets Yankees baseball. Exactly, you want to be on. Reach out to us. Send us listen. send us stuff. You know, listen, we, we, know your yeah. stuff. Know your stuff and you know, present it the right way. You can end up on the air with us. Right, right. But you know, the Mets back to back to get back on our bandwagon. But I saw a <laughs> lot of I saw a lot of good things come from our offense last week that I need to I need to point out because the Mets don't are not spotting a lot of high batting average even going into this podcast episode week two of the season. Uh, we 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 saw we saw um, Cabrera is the only hitter right now hitting above three hundred, and our main hitter Yoenis Cespedes and is batting around two hundred. So it doesn't. It's not to say that 
we're not seeing big hits come from Cespedes. He has 12 RBIs, a game winner last night, and another another big go ahead hits coming in in the week coming before this. Uh, wait. I thought Flores had the game winner last night. Flores had the game winner last night. I'm talking yeah. about Cespedes' two run double oh, oh, two oh. nights before that. Right. Okay. And it it's just it's just to say that you know the the lineup is producing in key spots. They're not always uh, they're not having the most amount of hits. They're not producing on an insane level, but they're getting the runs that matters. They're getting the runs that keep us in the game and. Like the Mets have shown that when a team scores, they like to come back the next inning and at least put one or two on the board and get some of those runs back. And it's big to be resilient in this league because uh, a lot of teams can go down and stay down. They just they roll over. And with the Mets, it's good to see them get these late-inning runs. A lot of these wins last week, one against the Marlins, one against the Brewers, and another one last night. They came back in the ninth, eighth inning, and they put up a two spot, a one spot, and they, and these are the these are how they're winning these games. Right. They're getting they're getting good outings from their pitching's productivity, but they're getting hitting late in games, and they're getting runs brought in that matter most. And it was very very happy to see you know a former Yankee, but now the Todd Father Queens Salt and Pepper and be introduced to New York, and he's a leader. Salt and Pepper is a thing now with our team. It's their you know they get a base hit. That's their you know symbol to the the dugout. You it's know the it's their cry. celebration exactly, and it's. It's how the sh- they have shirts being handed out. It's it's a movement, and Todd Frazier is a leader on our team. A movement. Mm-hmm. Thumbs down movement. Salt and pepper shaker movement. Right. No it's matter where it was, Todd Frazier is a leader, and he's he's gonna bring the movement with him. He's a trendsetter. Right. So I'm very happy to see him. He he hit City Field with a bang when he came back from the road trip in Miami with a with a two home run game, and it, it's good to see him. Because Todd Frazier also is leading the team in walks. He's not, you know, necessarily banging it with average, but he has 13, 14 walks on the season going He's into tonight. He's known to have a good eye. Yes, and 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 not only that, when when there's a runner on base and the contact needs to be driven just to bring a run bring a run in, he he will put the ball in play. So I I see nothing but positive things. Besides, I can see you know. Uh, everyday confidence in him playing third base at the position defensively the oh, offense yeah. the nice. offense the offense has been you know he's doing his part he's doing his part as a leader to drive runs in I sw- he had a big sack fly in the 4-1 win against see sack flies uh, yes that's what Yankees I'm saying Yankees don't get many of those a big and a big 4-1 win that was against Jarlin Garcia who pitched an outstanding outing against yeah. against he the shined. Mets he pitched, and now it's his first major league start, guys. He pitched. He's their, he's one of their top prospects, if I'm not mistaken. Hey, listen, this kid carried a no-hit bid till the seventh inning against the Mets. And, you know, he might have got pulled a little early since it was his first major league oh, start. Man. He, wait, he got pulled with no hits in his first no, start? No, no, he let up a hit. Oh. He okay. let up a hit. But the pitch count wasn't high. It wasn't even 90s yet. And the kid got pulled. So, you know, yeah. you know how me and you feel about that coming from the era we came in. We saw guys throw 100-plus pitches before they get pulled, no matter how deep they went into games. If if the if the runs allowed were low enough, if they were still in position to win. And this guy was spotting, he was spotting a one-run lead throughout his start. He had led the, he had had the Mets to, Mets to one hit before he came out. And when the, when the Marlins went to their bullpen, that's when the Mets really got to attack them because Mickey Callaway made what some people would call a suspect decision late in that game. He pinch hit two lefties against lefty pitchers, two lefty hitters against lefty pitchers, and both turned out to be reasons why the Mets won that game. First, he pinch hit 
Juan Lagares for. Wait, Lagares no, he, is he a pinch it. He pinch hit Michael Conforto for Juan Lagares okay. in the eighth inning, and Michael Conforto gets on base and, and with a double. And after, that's after somebody. That's after Plawecki had gotten hit by a pitch. Right. This is the hit by pitch that would take him out for one to two months, unfortunately. Right. But th- that put runners on second and third. And then he pinch hit again and put Adrian Gonzalez into the game. All right. Conforto has uh, came up and has been. Uh, he was pretty known as a bad hitter against lefties. He's right. worked on it. He's he's yes. gotten a lot better. But Agon, career wise, is a very good hitter against lefties. Right, but like you've acknowledged, the decision might not be you know completely understood. But what I can tell Almost from a taboo nowadays, yes, from a Mets perspective and from a lineup perspective, he went with the best hitters he had on the bench. It was the eighth inning. He took the best hitters he had that weren't playing that day, and he put them on the. He put them to bat in that inning. And that's what and I'm they, saying. And they, they put runs on the board. Gonzalez came up with a two-RBI single, and the Mets were able to come with a 4-1 lead. That's what I'm saying. Like, numbers are great. Numbers help, but there are intangibles. Yes. And these are two lefties. Like, as taboo as it seems to pinch hit a lefty versus a lefty, these are two lefties that have proven to be able to hit lefty pitching. Conforto worked on it and got better, and Agon has always been able to stroke against lefties. So, Yeah, Agon's presence, not only in the lineup, but as a consistent daily first baseman, has been great. And, you know, I just want to stress him because he's a he's a player that I wasn't really sold on going into spring training, but I can definitely see the impact of this guy lasting and going a long way throughout the course of the season. He's proven that if he can remain healthy, he, he will be a veteran presence in this lineup. The same as Todd Frazier and Adrian works the count. He can make good contact and solid contact with two strikes, and he will do what the job needs. If he, if he needs to get a run brought in, he will drive runs in. Also, so, with Agon, I feel uh, this is a personal thing, not a non-baseball thing, but he is a very good He's He's a Mexican uh, native. He speaks Spanish. It's his first language, obviously. But um, he also speaks very good English. So he, he, he can serve as a medi- uh, excuse me, a mediator between the Latin ball players and the American ball players. I'm happy you bring that up because uh, for the Mets fans out there that watch post game interviews, I don't know if all of us think. A lot of them are in Spanish. A lot of them, no. But this year, that's what I'm bringing up, we've seen a lot of players normally talk in complete Spanish try to do their post-game interviews in English. Mm-hmm. And by that, this season, we've seen Joanna Cespedes versus main, one of his main English interviews, him, Lagares, uh, Reyes, and Ahmed. Well, um, we know Reyes can speak in English, but we're all players yeah. who, you know, but sometimes... broken English. Exactly. It's Very all, accented. They, they have all tried to stress speaking and on the English on the English at, on the English side of their for their interviews and it's good to see because the team has players coming from both sides and it for a team to click all everybody needs to be on the same page mhm one of the most important um things that they preach to these young uh latin ball players uh mostly in the dominican because um i don't know i just have a lot of Dominican ball player friends and I've also seen the movie Sugar but they say a lot of them say <laughs> that speaking uh English is what they stress a lot and what they're trying to get a lot of young players to do especially um 
for the catchers because there's a lot of lat Latino catchers. Right, and that and the stress that Adam's speaking about is not just an American stress. It's not so they have more players speaking English because that's the you don't American way what they want. Exactly, you don't it's want a communication, communication gap. Thing. Exactly, and you have to understand that culturally, that's good for both sides. It is it is good and necessary for both sides to be a little more understanding of what the other one's language. Because growing up, I've had white players on my teams who've learned more Spanish vocabulary, more Spanish words, being on a, a team full of Spanish players. And also, not everyone is just an American speaking English. For example, Tanaka and Gary Sanchez work together. They both speak have to speak in English because it's their common language. Right, that's as close as common that both of them are going to get to. So yeah, and that aspect be you're completely they're, right. They're probably both uh, broken English speakers, but you know they can understand baseball talk at least, and it, it it's it's an important skill that a lot of guys on the Yankees are also trying to learn. Although the Yankees are, uh, they've always been, they've always had a lot more white ball players than than Latino ball players. Yeah. With the Mets, uh, they got a lot of that Latin flavor. It's, a, it's flavor. a little diversity mix, yeah. I, I, lately, I, I, we saw a couple of years where, we, you know. The Omar Minaya years, years were like basically mm-hmm. Team Spen- DR. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we had Delgado and Beltran. So, Delgado you know, there and was, Beltran, true. There's some body good love in there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but what I saw last week, another person that I need to stress because it was his, you know, he came back off the injury of the DL and he had a good start with Zach Wheeler. He had a mm-hmm. dominant start. Right. And that was the same start when I was talking about Jarlin Garcia. I should have mentioned Zach first because he not only he got did, the win. Not only did he get the win, he got seven Ks throughout his throughout his start and only let up one home run and that was the only run on the board throughout the whole game. Nice. Zach he came out with dominance, he commanded the fastball was there, his slider was working. It was just good to see him back. And like a lot of these um these sports media casters are probably saying now the Mets are maybe for real this year, but that's them. I was saying that if they're healthy, they're going to be healthy from the jump. And you agreed with me. I agreed. Health is wealth. If if they're healthy, they're going to be good. Mm -hmm. That's what I meant to say. Healthy is just going to provide wins and the healthy team minus the catching position. But this is what I've, I've heard. You don't need a good offensive catcher. Here's what I heard stressed too that, you know, no, no disrespect to the catchers we had on our team in Plawecki, Nito right now, and Darno hurt for out for the season. But Nito hit well in the spring too. It needs to be acknowledged that catching was one of our weaknesses going into the season mm-hmm. anyway. So not to say that catching is something that we can, you know, easily bypass defensively. It's a huge role in the course of a game, but. I think that we'll be able to balance off our our second platoon catching that we have with Nito and um, uh, his name escapes me right now. Lobatone. Oh, Lobatone. Yeah, the veteran the catcher. Ray. Right. We have both of them platooning the catching position now, so you know we'll see something could come from them both. But at the same time, I just I'm I'm um. I'm hoping because I've heard a little rumor that, you know, the Mets were interested in looking at a J.G. Relamuto, you know, the catcher for the Marlins. And they're I selling think, everyone. Right. And Get that's, why, hot. that's why I'm bringing it up because I think that, you know, for Mets fans and for an organization, it's a good move to go on right now. Yeah, but now. no one wants to trade in the division ever. Nobody does. Then that's something for Miami to work on, not us. Because we have they're, – they're giving him up. Yeah, but they're going to jack they're your prospects. Mode. What if two years down the line your prospects come back to haunt you? That's the Mets' fear. I don't think it'll happen. 
I don't think it'll happen. But I'm not opposed to the Mets looking at somebody in the catching in the catching role from another team because for this season, I don't know. I I'm I'm confident in the platooning for now, but there's just not a lot of catchers uh, on the market right? on the market. There's not a lot of it's not a deep position. It's like how pitching was ten years ago. When you know you can never get enough pitching, there was never enough quality pitching, and now it's still true. The fastest way to the majors is be a pitcher, or be a, be catcher. a catcher. So mm-hmm. there's always a shortage of those two p- positions. You're either those two positions, or you are a hitter. Exactly. And that's what yeah. I have to say. Yeah. But one thing I, I do want to acknowledge coming out of next week, as you know, the Mets were hot. They they lost one game last week, and. I'm ecstatic going into this series with the Nationals. I think that we're going to stay hot. You know, as long as we're healthy, we're going to stay Playing hot. Playing the Nats again? This time on, yeah, the, on this, the road or at home? This time we are at home. And I, okay. It's, we'll see how It's that goes. imperative to be good in this series because last series, this is where the Nationals burned us the most. It was actually at home. They won 7 of 8 or 7 of 10 starts, 7 of 10 games at home. And the Mets, that's... That can't happen. Mm-hmm. Not against somebody who you're going to be fighting for one and two in the division. Right. But I need to acknowledge the Brewers because I think the Brewers got a lot better in the offseason. And maybe it did take me watching them coming, going, the Mets going there. Their lineup is a lot deeper than what I remember. They they have... Um, I mean, they picked up Yelich and Kane. Yes. Well, we didn't see Yelich throughout the series. Yeah, he's hurt. Tomas, who's coming off of that hot season last year. Tom- Yasmani Tomas? Mm-hmm. The Diamondbacks let him go? Oh, he's a he's a Brewer. Word? Yeah, I, I might be competing him with the first baseman of the Brewers last year. They kind of look alike, but <laughs> they have Tomas, Kane, Braun, and Shaw in their lineup right now, and I, all of those guys. What's good with Eric Thames? Is he on the bench? You're kidding me. This guy we had legendary pop. I mean, I I could see Shaw playing over him. He's a bit more consistent, but and like you said, Yasmani Tomas was a a, a who's of face uh, no, Diamondbacks no. top prospect. No, you're confusing Tomas. Uh, we're confusing Tomas with Thames. I'm, I'm oh. actually just speaking of Thames. There is no Tomas. Oh, beard, short, Thames. stout. Yes, Thames. Yeah. Thames, okay. Thames, and Shaw split the catcher position, but first base, you mean? No, Shaw is a catcher. Travis Shaw is a third baseman, first baseman, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know who the Milwaukee catcher is, but I, I can almost certainly guarantee you it's not I Travis know Thames, Shaw. Yeah, I know Thames is a first baseman yeah. for sure, but I know. Either way, their lineup was deep with these four guys in the heart of their lineup. They they had Braun, Kane, Kane hitting before Braun, then Shaw and Thames later in the lineup, and all of these players besides Braun were able to you know actually Braun too. They all got big hits against the Braun Mets did, in their yeah. series. Yeah, they all got big hits and drived in big runs throughout the series. And these hitters in their lineup are they're 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 they show that the brewers have gotten better with the death in their lineup although i didn't see the death in their pitching we saw one we saw a good start from chase anderson in there in the one loss the mets saw last week because he went seven innings of also one hit ball against the mets so that's one thing we saw happen twice in that week but at the same time the mets were only able to score one run against chase he got pulled a little early but they saw the this milwaukee saw home runs from a three-run home run from Villar that game, and then a two-runner from Bandy in that game. And we're Bandy's just, their catcher. Right. And now we're just looking at it where it's like even the players that I talked about the death in are still home run hitters and still have pop in their lineup. So I believe this lineup is deep. 
and th- then they had their well with pitching being one thing I find suspect of them, we did see Chris Hader come in in that game. Josh Hader. Josh Hader. He's on my fantasy team. That's why I know his name. He came in with a six-out, 5K save to, I know. to close the Mets Dude, out that game. Got me so many fantasy points. And by the way, this the, the, the rain that's going on in the Central totally screwed my fantasy team up. I lost last week by one category because I couldn't get the games in. And you know what? I got to say... Screw you for that, Mother Nature. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah. Despite all that hate, we need to see more baseball get played for those New York Yankees because... They were stuck in that central region right, during that, the rainstorm. Right, series with Detroit canceled uh, most of their week. And like I said earlier, that'll kill us in the dog days. And what do you What do you think going in, going into this week? I know you guys are starting this series with Miami. you you got to come out, hopefully, with a win from we that gotta, series. we got to, like, sweep that series if we want to get back on track, realistically. Yeah, realistically, like right. I said, we've been treading water. Um, this is a team that we should definitely take the series. But like I'm, I'm as a fan, I'm personally expecting a sweep of the Miami Marlins. I definitely think Giancarlo might break out of this slump, being back at Lord Miami. Uh, oh my God, I hope so. And besides that, we've seen Judge have a lot of efficiency out the two hole. Don't you say? He actually just hit a home run in the game because we're we're. By the way, we're recording during Mets and Yankee games right now. I just got an update. Judge homered. So, yeah, he's hot right now. And the, Mets, have, right and the now. Mets have tied the Nationals at one apiece. Yeah. So, Mets are killing it. Judge is killing it. But, yeah, we need a sweep of the Marlins. When we, I need John Carlo to break out. Like, he's batting 220, three homers, decent amount of RBIs for this point. But it just looks a lot worse because he has a million strikeouts. You're seeing that game tomorrow, right? You're going to be I'm there go. in the Bronx. It's going to be awesome. Who's on the rock? Uh, Tanaka versus Ooh, someone favorites? that should be in AAA. Okay. <laughs> wow. Well, you heard no, it here first. You no, got, Adam I'm, has his money on winning for the Yankees. No, nah, I'm just saying that right now because um, Caleb Smith is pitching for the Marlins right now. Their ace. And Yankees fans remember mm-hmm. Caleb Smith as a AAA ace from last year. And... He is the Marlins. I don't know if he got the opening day start, but if not the one starter, he's the two starter. So that says a little something about the Miami Marlins because Scranton Wilkes-Barre could play for the Miami Marlins. Now, just so you guys don't think we're sitting here and don't know what we're talking about, we're not going to miss a big piece of uh, 2018 season history and a great way to start it. We're going to let my boy speak about the first brawl of the season. Maybe. I think it might be the second brawl. I might be Technically wrong. Technically the second. The second brawl. The second, Rockies. Right. It was the same I know day, dug, but Dugouts earlier. cleared. Yeah, dugouts yeah. cleared. But let's talk about what we had happen and, and, and what was a, our man, Tyler Austin. Man, I got to get, I, I get into a boxing announcer mode right now. Jab, jab. <laughs> Nah, it was, it was it was crazy stuff. Tyler Austin, there was a hard slide at second base earlier in the game. Benches cleared, no punches. It was a civil bench clearing. The bullpens emptied, which I was a bit surprised because that usually indicates that punches are being thrown. But <laughs> that's right, I saw them clear. Yeah, word. But nah, nothing happened then. And to me, if you ask me, it was a legal slide. I've seen this slide about like twenty times already. He slides. Um, I think they want you to slide by the cutoff. He's about one step past the cutoff, like one, just one step when he, when he gets down to slide. It's a hard slide. 
yes, the spikes are up, but like they never really hit him. Right, Hit but Brock Holt, the shortstop, is what I'm saying. Let's talk about it. You really think the spikes being up on that side did, did the second or short the second who made the type of play second baseman shortstop and the and the, the um, slide play? Do you remember? It was a grounder to first and Holt, the shortstop, was, was fielding. covering. Right. Yeah. So do you think that did it look like he was affected by the fact that his cleats were up? Like no, did it look like he took te- like he was offended or that it was affe- affected I him? Fi- I forget who was running, but it was a fast guy and Tyler Austin bats toward the bottom. I fe- I want to say it's Gardner. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna just say it's Gardner. But I know it's right, a fast right, right. guy. They didn't get the double play. There was no play at first. I- I'm looking more at the fact that the, the so the so it didn't affect anything, and didn't. he didn't he didn't hit him. I mean, he like grazed him. With with the spike, and but like think, it wasn't even hostile and at I all. And I think Tyler Austin saw two pitches really close on him yes, in that at bat. He did one. The obviously both on purpose. They were getting uh, he was getting they were, the ah. He was getting the retaliation pitches. Right. Excuse me. But um, obviously somebody the first missed one, with the first. The one. first one missed because <laughs> he got out the way. Um, the second one got him right in the butt or right in the middle of the numbers, and oh yeah, it was a. It was in the tricep. Couldn't get out the way anyway. My, but I he, went, he went ham. He I slammed credit that him. bat. He broke that bat right off the slam. Yeah, that he was. He broke it off the slam. That's a strong boy. I was like, oh, hit him with that, that same energy. Hit him with the same energy, bro. Yeah, but he, he, he came out to the mound. He looked like a raging bull. He looked like De Niro in the, in the Martin Scorsese movie. We saw that in film class, by the way. Great movie. Um, Great movie. Go. I recommend black it if and you white seen film. It. And you haven't caught a black and white film. Raging Bull is a great but one. He, 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 Lobato, baby. he's running out there like he's Jake Lamada, but he try he tries to hit him with that right hook and like out of nowhere slips. And I was just like, ah, bro, what are you doing? You look like a baby on ice. Well, I saw the catcher also like try to grab him from Whoa, running out yeah, of the. That's the catcher tried to that. I didn't like that either. Right, Whoa, that's against nah. the code of the brawl. The the catcher didn't do anything. I thought which he grabbed a, Tyler Austin and yoked him up, or maybe that was all, after they they intersected. If you are the catcher, because I have been a catcher, the the code the, of ethics as the catcher is you do everything to protect your pitcher. That catcher did nothing to protect his pitcher. Okay. He did not step in front of Tyler Austin. He was like readjusting his mask, and by the time he noticed that he slammed his bat. He tried to grab him, and Austin was already, like, halfway to the mound. It was fighting time. It was fighting, it was time. fighting time. And Ke- Joe Kelly was he, waving him on. Tyler that Austin before slipped. after he threw his glove at him? <laughs> that was after. That was after uh, he threw hate, it. He I threw hate. it. He was, like, waving him. But I hate Austin when slipped. do that in a brawl. Why are you throwing your glove for? <laughs> I think Chop he, it on the floor and let's square up. What I think the doing? only pitcher I've ever seen win a brawl, I mean, is before my time, but Nolan Ryan beat the heck out of Robin Ventura, but... In my lifetime, Rick Porcello, ah, Rick Porcello, uh, he just knocked like he wrestled Kevin Euclid down to the ground once. Damn. But it was a good fight. It was a good fight. Uh, Tyler Austin got his licks in after he got back up. Well, but with C- the help of CC Sabathia. Right, I saw CC was CC had made, his back. Yo, like, he C- was behind him. This is how you know CC's a veteran because he arguably did the most out of like. Anyone that shouldn't have been involved, and he's on the DL, <laughs> but he did not get suspended. CC should not have been involved, but he's like, I'm with it. He did not get suspended. He's the one helping Tyler Austin back up and then throwing punches. That got you guys a big win against the team too. Yeah, it was a, it was definitely something for the confidence. Also, um, 
Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton can like they could play football because they were holding that pile of of Yankees and Red Sox. They they were in the middle of both teams and no one no excuse my language, but no one was fucking with Giancarlo and Judge in that. Like I remember I just seeing Judge I just see Judge holding Joe Kelly and he's like, Stop, stop, everyone stop and like like people are just trying to push him and he's just standing his ground and John Carlos right there with his back. I mean he has his back. It, it was a good sight to see. There was some camaraderie in that fight from the way they fought. You know, CC helping Tyler Austin up spring, and all that. It's good to see a spring training guy started and get his support from everybody in that dugout. Yeah, I mean, you got you got to charge them out. I'm a peaceful fella, Austin. You know me. People that are listening that do know me know that I don't fight. I've I don't condone violence. Charge the mound, guys. I've but no, nah, but mound. that's a situation in which I would. You could clearly tell that those pitches are intentional. And, and clearly, I and agree. And Joe, Joe Kelly throws 96, 97. That, you you miss the hurts. first time and then do it the next pitch. That was the plan. I I can't argue with that. If you're trying to hit me with 96, I'm trying to hit you with my right fist. Let's put it that way. Ooh, I like it. I like it. Keep that energy. But um, before we before we sign off, is there any is there any Yankee points you want to talk about? Yes. Um, earlier you mentioned Zach Wheeler coming off the DL, uh, showing out. Aaron Hicks, right? The second he did game the same off the thing. DL. I like him. Um, the first game off the DL was uh, against Boston. It was a loss. It was it was just a day at the ballpark for him. But the second day was the one game in the Detroit series that we did play, and he had it inside the park. First of all, it was a bomb because it was off the wall in Triples Alley at Comerica, which if you know right center at Comerica, that's almost a 400-foot right center field off the top of the wall. That's deep. That that's center been, field, that uh, That would have been back wall of the bullpen at Yankee Stadium. But anyway, it ricochets. He gets the inside the park home run. Wow. Yankee Stadium is small. It is. Sidebar. It is small. But anyway, he gets the inside the park home run. Well-deserved because it's out of any ballpark on the fly, if you ask me. But also in the sixth inning, he hits an absolute moonshot to right field. It was it, it was a majestic shot. And yeah, it's, it's good to see a big player come off the DL and give you two home runs. One where he had to show the wheels to get it. You know, th- that's just an example of him, you know. He's healthy. He's he is, healthy. He's, back, and he's ready he's to healthy. play ball, and he's uh he's covering ground because uh he made a couple of nice little uh well you know not great running catches but you know it's impressive. Comerica's a big Hicks center is, field. Yeah, he fits right in the center right when he's coming back off this deal. Exactly, and also I can't wait to see him just gun someone out because he right. has he is he, he the, has a cannon. Is he the DL guy when Gardner's playing or or are they a Gardner DH? And you mean? Yeah, DH. I mean, uh, DH no, Stan's the DH guy mostly. Okay, but uh, they're trying to rotate that DH Defensive, spot between that makes sense. between the outfielders and Gary Sanchez. Right. But uh, it depends on who would be the guy to sit. Actually, if Sanchez is the DH, Hicks or Gardy. Speaking of defensive outfielders having an impact. I need to bring light to the rest of the MLB. Did you forget that Cespedes had the shot? Because I've seen a lot of players had to see that this week trying to run on him. And listen, oh, I understand what this— In left field? In, in left First field. First of all, in left field, you hardly run on, like, Johnny Damon if he's playing left field. And Yankees fans know he had—us uh, baseball players call it a water the, gun. The wee-wee. Exactly. 
But I, I, I mean, Cespit is he had two outfield assists last week. One at the plate, one at second base. No, one at second and one at third base. At second and third. Yes, Lorenzo Cain. Who's tri- gonna test that arm? Lorenzo Cain tried to for- try to force it into Bro. a triple, and he got gunned out at third base. Another another player from the Marlins, Lee was his last name. I don't remember his first name. He tried to stretch a single into a double to start the inning off in the in the gap, and Cespit is. Sh- Shot both of these guys dead to right. He tried to start the inning off with a double. You said he. It would have been a single in the gap, oh, but he, he tried, to, tried stretch to stretch it into a double, and Cespedes shot him at second. And Bro. it was just they were both no doubt throws. I understand what your scouting report might say. The rest of major league Cespedes might take some of those outfield plays off, but the there, arm is there, there and he a, doesn't look to be that. He doesn't look to start the season like that. So I wouldn't. I would advise that the rest of you teams don't try to ride on him. All right, yeah. Let's uh even I know that and I'm sitting in my yeah. living room. There's there's a few guys I'll name off the top of my head that you don't run on. There's uh Puig, there's there's Cespedes, there's Hicks, who has the highest recorded velocity from the outfield in Statcast. Judge is up there. I've Judge is up there too. You don't run on Judge, you don't run on Josh Reddick in Houston. But out of all those guys, Yoannis Cespedes is the only one that plays left field. Yes, that's true. And left and field right. is a left field is a position that you don't um, run on if the guy doesn't even have a strong arm, and yeah. and, and Cespedes has a certified gun. This this thing is is licensed by the NRA. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Right, and you know what I'm saying. And you know, a lot of people we don't like the NRA anymore. Let's let's prohibit <laughs> these gun rights, but. You're not going to prohibit the rights on Cespedes' arm. So if you're the rest of the major leagues, cut it. Stop trying to take that extra base because you're going to get chopped down. What was it, like three, four years ago in Oakland? Rumor has it on those plays in, in against the Angels, he intentionally bobbled. Those Puig-like throws. And those to, to get him out at throws, home. Those absolute cannons that, from the That's outcome. a rumor. It's never been uh, debunked, but... I'd like to say we're not he here to debunk it. it. Yeah, we're not here to debunk those facts. Yeah, he did it on purpose. I'd like to say that just for the story, and it looks nice. On the defensive end, one other player that I like to give some light to before I get away is Ahmed because Ahmed I knew Rosario. You were say Ahmed. Not only have I seen him defensively, had a confidently hold down the shortstop position. He's made some sliding plays up the up the middle, diving plays up the hold. Yep, sliding play up the middle. Diving plays up the hold. I've seen Ahmed, Ahmed make a lot of good plays at, at shortstop, but more importantly, him at that nine position is getting a lot of hits. And you know, a lot of players, a lot of teams in the NL don't pitch, don't hit the pitcher eight and go with a position player at nine. The Mets have done it frequently throughout the beginning of this season, and we've seen Ahmed have a lot of success, get a lot of big hits, start rallies, and drive in runs. Batting in that nine hole. He's so, a catalyst. It's almost a second leadoff hitter. And we've seen it have that impact. Like the impact that you're talking about is what it should be having that nine guy in the in you know, as a role as a, a a role player, a fast hitter. Yeah. But he's also been able to drive in runs when there's runners on base. He'll get that hit and he'll he drop the blooper into right. I've seen him get doubles to to drive runners in. Ahmed has had a hot week and he's just shown that with the veterans having their impact, the youth is having their impact. And the Mets are getting it from all ends. Like last night, we saw Nimmo with a big home run come back and tie the game. And then we saw Flores win the game and F- Familia get a win instead of his eighth save. 
Right, Nimmo had that bomb. Right, Everything. smiling around the bases, cheesing. Yeah, that, that's what OD. that kid is loved for here in New York. He has the smile of ev- everybody loves that smile. Yeah, but in and that same base percentage, in that in that same start, you know, we also I also saw Noah come out of what he called a rut. You know, Noah. What he a, called a rut? Exactly. Eight Noah's straight a, K's is a rut. Yeah. Oh no, 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 no. He came out of that rut in the with last the, start. Oh, with, with the eight, eight K's. K's. Right. That's when he felt he was right. dominant. The, the start but before in his was couple, five innings. Right. Only. Five innings. His couple. But six it was still K's. A good start. Yeah, but his couple starts before that, he was very disappointed in himself. He compared it to mechanical issues, and we saw him come out very loosey goosey. Yeah. And I didn't think that, but a lot of people saw him come out a lot more loosey, and you know, a lot more comfortable in the he start does. last night, and he was dominant. He was dominant. He does Those eight straight Ks through four, ending with ten. This guy was on fire. He does seem to uh, come off as a, a bit robotronic while pitching, like robotic. Um, yes, I get what you're saying. Yeah, no, I like to say robotronic. No, quoting no. School of Rock. I'm just gonna break it down <laughs> for the fans. Yeah, no, but um, it's it's kind of the opposite of how Severino does it, because Severino ha- kind of has a. Uh, they're both flamethrowers, obviously, but Severino. Is a uh, very loosey goosey with his motion. It's a very smooth motion. Um, I wouldn't say that Syndergaard has a lot of moving parts, but he is very yeah, he's, stiff. He's more he's just like up on the mound, but it's probably because he's so brolic. Like he's just a brolic dude. Yeah, they don't call that man Thor for a reason. I, I admire Thor, and when I watch a Marvel movie and listen, Noah is built. I was not a fan like of the Ragnarok. god of Asgard. I was not a fan of Thor Ragnarok, I'm hey, just not, saying. But. We're not here to discuss movies, but it had a nice comedic <laughs> twist to it. I was happy to see the Hulk and listen. I was happy to see the Hulk. Listen, we can get into this on another episode. You you guys let us know this, but Marvel over DC on this side. You can debate us. You can challenge us. I agree. I got to agree with Austin. We maybe disagree on teams, but I like, I like Marvel over DC. <laughs> I mean, after that Justice League performance and we got Affinity Wars coming Part one and two in a week or two, you know. I just think that Marvel's done a better job. But uh, we're not here to discuss. <laughs> we're not here to discuss comic books. We get into whatever you guys want. Oh, but man. I think we've had a good time here discussing the baseball in New York. We've had Mets talk. We've had Yankees talk, and hopefully more Yankees baseball this week, right? Um. Yeah. Let's hope. Let's hope for that. It rained today, and they are playing. So I'm. I'm very hype on that. I hope they're still up in that game. It's uh a five zip right now from what I see on my app. All right, let's go. Um we're gonna do something a little different here today. Instead of us piecing you out, we're gonna We're gonna have some of our fans piece you out with some of with some of their intake on how they were Mets and Yankees fans, how they became them and you know, we're gonna get into that. Exactly. We got some uh listener feedback. Um some people that would like to join our podcast and um we'd like to we'd like you guys to hear what they have to say about how they were introduced to the yankees and the mets and as because literally we play the best baseball in this city that's right and we we could play the best baseball in this nation with 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 the way our teams are now times are golden right here in new york with baseball all right besides that being said we have mets and yankees fans giving their input here and for you other mets and yankees fans out there listening please you know where to find us. You know where to give us your feedback. You want to be featured on another episode? Just give us Reach something good. Us. Reach give out us something to us, good to put on here, and we'll, we'll, we'll definitely find a way to include you. Before we go to our fans, I'm Austin Torres. And I'm Adam Morales. Peace out. Peace out.
father grew up in Queens, so he was more on the Yankee side. But my uh, my uncle used brought me to a lot of baseball games when I was younger, and they, you know, he was a Yankee fan, so we went to a lot of Yankee games. I went to Met Games as well, but the difference—it was just different energy in Yankee Stadium compared to Shea Stadium. You know, I mean, the energy was different, so that just attracted me, attracted me to it. Azad Mahmoud, local Mets fan. It is a generational thing. When my grandfather came here from England back in like the early '60s, the Mets were just becoming a team, and it's been in our blood ever since. Third generation now. Oh wow, that's that is actually quite interesting. I like the uh, yeah, that's been generational for you. Yeah, it's surprising. You don't really get a lot of um, Pakistani people that are huge baseball fans. Nonetheless, uh, third generation, you know. How you doing? I'm Noel Serrano. Guys like Robert Ventura got uh, the pitchers like uh, like Al Lider, Tom Tom Glavin, Tom Glavin, one of my favorites of all time. Piazzas, you got the. Um, uh, I always loved our infield. Oh, always stacked thought, infield. Yeah, it made me want to play second base a lot because <laughs> they always got the double plays, and I always felt like uh, I always felt like that was our, our calling card, our defense in a way. Sam DeGaris, longtime Mets fan. Yeah. 